everybody, Pastor Steve here. Glad you've joined me for today's devotion. We are in the 10th chapter of Ezra. And I'm sure you notice we, we skip chapters 8 and 9. And uh, the next time we come to the book of Ezra in our Bible reading plan, which will be in about three years, we will read chapters 8 and 9. I, I somewhat regret not including it in this year's uh, reading plan, so I apologize for that. But in any case... In chapter 8, it's, it's primarily a listing of the various families that returned from Persia slash Babylon to Jerusalem with Ezra, like we talked about uh, yesterday. And it also details the amount of gold and silver and other items they carried with them to put in the temple when they, when they arrived in, in Jerusalem. And it also mentions that they... Uh, spent uh, uh, some time fasting and praying after they'd all gotten together before they started their journey to the promised land. So that's chapter 8. Chapter 9, they arrive in Jerusalem and Ezra immediately becomes a leader. He's seen as a leader because he's this very well-educated, trained scribe and teacher of the law uh, for the Jewish people. And And they view him as a leader right away. And he learns because some of the, the princes and the leaders of the people come to him and tell him that, that some of them who had already returned to Jerusalem and on the you know, previous groups in the previous, uh, say, um, uh, 80 years, um, had married foreign women. They had, ta- they had taken um, women from the nations and tribes surrounding Judah um, and had married them. And so, um, and, and that was a violation of the Old Testament law because God had made it really clear throughout the Old Testament that the Jews were not to intermarry with non-Jews. Um, we don't have time to go into all the history of that, but that, that was the law of God. And when Ezra hears this, he's devastated and he, he weeps and, and in a sign of grief and mourning and, and his culture rips his clothes and even pulls out some of his hair and he, he just falls prostrate and, 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 and he prays and he weeps and some of the leaders are weeping and praying with him. And then in chapter 10, they deal with this sin. Because it may not seem like a sin to you and me, but, but for the Jewish people to marry foreign women would have been a sin. And so they deal with it. And let's look at that. In verse 1 of chapter 10, uh, while Ezra was praying, he's at the temple, he's praying and making confession. He was confessing for the nation. Now, Ezra had not been guilty of that sin, yet he was still confessing the sins of the nation. And I know sometimes people disagree with me on this, but I'm, I'm convinced from here and many places in the Bible that sometimes as a people, we have to confess the nations of our sin, sins that we're not guilty of. Um, it's appropriate for, for Baptists to confess the sin of our forefathers when it came to race issues and slavery. It's appropriate for us to confess the sin of sexual abuse because we're a community. We're, we're a body. And even though we may not have individually sinned, the body to which we belong did. And our confessing those sins is appropriate. See, one of, the, one of the problems we have in the West is that we are such an individualistic culture that we read everything in the Bible through the lens of individualism, whereas in Scripture there is both individualism and community. 
And, and the Bible says a lot about community that is foreign to us who are so individualistically minded. But if you're going to read God's word accurately, you have to understand that, that throughout history, not everybody has approached theologically everything just from a purely individualistic perspective. So be aware of that. Uh, in verse 2, some of these uh, leaders said to Ezra, we have been unfaithful to our God and have married foreign women from the peoples of the land. Of, of the land. So they are owning, acknowledging their own failure, their own unfaithfulness, their own sin by doing this. And then in verse 3, they propose a solution to Ezra. Here's how we think we should deal with this. Verse 3. So now, these are the leaders talking to Ezra. So now, let us make a covenant with our God, a pledge, a promise to God. And in the Hebrew, actually has, has the idea of raising your hand like in court when you raise your hand and promise to tell the truth. And so it's like taking an oath before God. And here's what they say we're going to do. We'll put away all the wives and their children. We'll separate from them. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they did not continue to provide any financial support, but they separated from them and ceased living. They said, we'll cease living with them as our wives. And, and, um, uh, and, and they were trembling before the commandment of God because they knew they had sinned. Now, look at verse 4. And then they, these leaders said to Ezra in verse 4, Arise, for this matter is your responsibility, but we will be with you. Be courageous and act. In other words, they, they come to Ezra. They know their sin. Ezra's you know, teaching the law. They know their sin. They confess it. They, they propose a solution. And they say, Ezra, we need you to be a bold leader. As the leader, it's your responsibility. We will support you, but we need you to lead boldly in this matter. And that is what Ezra does. As you continue through this chapter, one thing after another, there's an investigation and they discover that among the Jewish people in Jerusalem and Judea or Judah, rather 113 men, 113 men had married foreign wives of those 113, 17 of them were priests and 10 of them were Levites. And they separate. They separate from their foreign wives. Now, to you and me, in our modern culture, to our, our uh, modern ears, that can seem harsh and severe, drastic, unjust. But I want you to note some things. Back in chapter 9, which we, which we did not read, but in chapter 9, there's an interesting note in verse, in verse, uh, verse 2 where the leaders have come to, to Ezra. And he says, for they, and, and they're talking about the sins of the nation, for they have taken some of the daughters as wives for themselves and for their sons. These are some of the leaders who had not been guilty of this sin. Uh, and, and they've done this in the middle of verse two, so that the holy race has intermingled with the peoples of the lands, the holy race, the Jewish people, through this marriage to foreign women, were intermingling with foreigners, the peoples of the land. And then at the end of verse, verse 2, indeed, the hands of the princes and the rulers have been foremost in this unfaithfulness. So of those 113 men, 
Jewish men who had taken foreign wives, what they're saying is the majority of them are the leaders of the nation, the princes and um, uh, the, the, the rulers, so the leaders of the nation. And the, the problem there is the influence of leaders for good or bad, for good or bad. And over time, if this continued, the influence of the, of, of the leaders would have caused this sin of unfaithfulness to increase and to, to multiply within uh, the nation. And there's, there's, there's another thing that's noted in chapter 9, and it's the history of the nation. Look in chapter 9 at verses 6 and 7. I know you didn't read chapter 9, but just drop back if you've got your Bible there. And in chapter 9, verses 6 and, and, and 7, Nehemiah, I mean, not Nehemiah, Ezra, uh, Ezra is praying, and he says, Oh my God, I am ashamed and embarrassed to lift my face to you, my God, for our iniquities have risen above our heads and our guilt has grown even to the heavens. Here again is a sense of that communal sense of oneness as, as he weeps and he says, and, and, and Ezra was not guilty of this sin, but he says, our sin, and I'm ashamed. Again, that, that sense of community when it comes to sin. Now look at verse 7. He said, since the days of our fathers, our ancestors, to this day, going all the way back, centuries in the past, up to this very day, he says in verse 7, we, there again, is that inclusive, not just, in, not, not just with the, 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 the people who were guilty of this sin when he got to Jerusalem, but going back to his ancestors, we have been in great guilt and on account of our iniquities, we, our kings and our priests, have been given into the hand of the kings of the lands. In other words, he's saying, because of the sins of our ancestors, our kings were defeated in war and our priests, notice he says, our kings and our priests have been given into the hands of the kings of the lands to the sword, to captivity, and to plunder, to open shame as it is this day. Because even though they had returned to Jerusalem, they still were ruled by Persia. Even though they were free to go home, they were still slaves of Persia. Babylon had destroyed the southern kingdom because of the sins of the ancestors. Assyria had destroyed the northern kingdom because of the sins of the ancestors. And Ezra is saying, you, you can go all the way back up to this very moment of his day. And we keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over, and we've paid for it with the judgment of God, and we still haven't learned a thing. So when you study the, the history and you go back and you, you remember what we read in Kings and Chronicles and what we read in Isaiah and Jeremiah and other places, idolatry? You know how idolatry became so rampant? In Israel, it's because they married foreigners and allowed them to bring their idols and their religions. And then gradually they adopted it. And they remember um, 
they would worship God at the temple and then turn around and worship a pagan God at another place. Co-mingling. It's like wanting to stay married while you're cheating on your wife or your husband. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. They, you know, that big word, syncretism. And here Ezra's brokenhearted. Their, their country had been destroyed because of this idolatry that, that came because of marrying these foreign women. And now Ezra, he comes back to the promised land with this new hope of a new group. And, and, and they've already started doing the same thing again with disastrous results. And Ezra could look down the road and see what would come if they kept doing it. Remember what Paul said in Galatians 5 verse 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump of dough. Sometimes sin has to be cut out completely before it kills you. And that's what Ezra and these leaders were doing when they said, you've got to separate from these wives. They were cutting the sin out before it leavened the whole lump, the whole nation like it had done to their ancestors. Is there a sin in my life? Is there a sin in your life? And you need to take a knife and cut it out before it kills you. Or it ruins your children. Or it ruins your grandchildren. Or it ruins your great-grandchildren. Because that's how sin works. What sin do we need to cut out? What sin do you need to cut out of your life today? That's the lesson of what Ezra and these people are doing here. And it's an important lesson. Well, I'll see you tomorrow as we look at Nehemiah chapter 1 and we jump ahead a few more years after Ezra. I'll see you then.